When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Decoding Reality, a podcast about reality TV shows. I'm David Chen, and I'm here with at Joyonapping. Hello. Today, we're going to be breaking down Love is Blind Season 3, Episodes 8, 9, and 10. 8, 9, and 10. So you can find more episodes of this podcast at decodingreality.tv. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. And find Decoding TV on TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube at Decoding TV. Now, I should point out that we have received Decoding Reality has received our very first listener email, right? And it was a good one. Yeah, this one comes in from Carol. Uh, Carol writes into decodingtv at gmail.com, uh, writing in from Texas. Carol writes, quote, Hello, I'm very excited you're covering the reality genre and specifically Love is Blind. I'm also a cast of Kings and Decoding TV listener. I wanted to potentially add some color to the conversation regarding the pool party flirting controversy. As a former longtime watcher of The Bachelor, I've learned that after plying the cast members with alcohol and such, producers often make suggestions to cast members and ask very leading questions in the interview segments. For example, they might have asked Cole, do you think you'll feel better if you get all this stuff off your chest? Leading to his unnecessary disclosures to Zainab. They might also ask Matt things like, does this remind you of your prior relationship? Which could cause his mental state to deteriorate, leading to his overreactions. They can then cut these interviews, making it seem like the cast members are prone to these behaviors. Of course, many of these things are not completely out of character, but this serves as a way to magnify or exacerbate certain tendencies. Overall, I've learned that producers cannot be underestimated. Loving the discourse between you two, and I look forward to seeing what you'll cover next, end quote. I think that this is pointing out something we all knew, which is that producers have a really heavy hand in the show. And I would say in season three of Love is Blind, it's been particularly noticeable um, that... It's been noticeable in that people seem like they're in extremely uncomfortable situations they would never otherwise be in or want to be in. Um, They are often acting in ways that seem completely out of character, even for them. Uh, The the best example would be the conversation between Andrew and Nancy, which we talked about last episode. Am I getting those names right? 
Yes. Um, yes, you are. Good job. And they're talking at dinner and like, uh, or, or at, you know, everyone goes to the bar and then like, that's the scene where like Bartisa's just finished saying, uh, I'm not really into Nancy, but I am into her if she's, if someone else is into her, you know? So anyway, Andrew and Nancy are talking at which point they decide to retreat to a separate table. And there was like a very beautiful, uh, sort of shot reverse shot conversation that they have, which I have to assume the producers had to set up like a camera. It doesn't look like they're like running and gunning it with the cameras. It looks like they've set this up specifically so they can have this confrontation. Yeah. Um, Almost like, Hey, Andrew, if you want to confront Nancy about how she feels and follow up, (laughs) right. This would be a private spot to do it right over here away from everyone, but beautifully lit. And with at least two cameras pointing at it. Exactly. And usually in the show, uh, you can kind of uh, you can kind of buy that oh they the producers are just filming them for like 3 hours and we're seeing you know 20 minutes of this interaction or whatever but like uh, a lot of times in season 3 it really does feel like we're feeling the hand of the producer at work um in a way that I don't think we have in previous seasons it feels particularly like people are responding to questions so when cole says how do I, you know i feel about colleen she stresses me out because you know, I'm like really attracted to her, but you know, Zenob's the one I said yes to. I think Cole's pretty drunk at that moment, and you can see that they probably have prompted him by saying, "How are you feeling about Colleen?" <laughs> right. Exactly. A question that may never have occurred to him to verbalize, so because Cole has no filter. Yeah. He falls right into it. Maybe they cast for people who have no filter. Hmm. Hmm. So let's talk about episodes eight, nine, and ten. Oh wait, but before we move on from Carol from Texas. Carol, thank you for the email, but maybe you can solve the mystery of what does somebody do at 2.30 in the morning in Dallas? Because the show (laughs) certainly doesn't fill it in. Well, we left with a cliffhanger of Matt saying, I'm packing my bags. I'm getting out of here because Colleen went to a nightclub at 2.30 in the morning. And literally when the next episode began, you, Joy, were in shock because the show had not dealt with what what happened at all. Um, no, it starts with her like doing ballet, and you're like, yes. "Where, like, when in time are we?" Yeah, so it's very clear that the show just didn't get the footage, right? And so they needed to have a post breakdown with Colleen for that to that to be resolved in any capacity. Um, but very weird way to begin episode eight. We we learn that. It was actually an oopsies, like Matt made an oopsies, like Colleen actually had tried to like FaceTime him and he didn't answer and would have explained everything. And, um, you know, it was an honest misunderstanding uh, that caused that Matt to completely fly. That is the most generous to Matt reading of the situation. <laughs> okay. What is your reading of the situation? There were two cars. She went with all the girls that he knew about. She didn't like peel off with a guy. They were supposed to go to the same place. When it didn't happen, she called him. She was in touch. She was keeping yeah. him apprised of the situation. She FaceTimed him from the club. He saw that it was a club and he freaked out. And then mm-hmm. when she didn't come home, it's not like he was like, she continued to try to get in touch with him. She she did everything as far as I can tell yes. that she was supposed to do. Yes. So she wasn't remotely being shady unless it was, you know, in the 10 minutes between phone calls to her fiance. And I feel like the scale of his overreaction is uh, pretty alarming. Pretty alarming. We learn <laughs> yes. more about Matt's backstory in this, mm-hmm. you know, run of episodes that got released this week. And um, 
I think, you know, maybe, maybe if he like learns some de-escalation and self-soothing and coping skills, this could be okay. But it could be one of those like, Colleen, you need to like run for the hills kind of situations. Well, I think what's also fascinating about this season is that um, this is a season where people kind of definitively understand the structure of the show. In the first season, they were just feeling it out and who knows what people were told at what time. But now they know, hey, the whole end point of this charade is we're inviting your family and potentially humiliating you in front of everyone, right? Uh, And so Matt confronts Colleen and is like, would you say yes, you know, at their aquarium dinner that looks like it's in the Snowpiercer train? Like, would you say yes? And she basically forces her to admit no, she would not um, because of presumably some of the challenges that they've had. So it's a, a pretty stunning moment in the show, I thought. And How did you feel about their conversation there? I felt it was, uh, I would have said, objection, you're badgering the witness. <laughs> like she, he was very like badgering her, I thought. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I was very uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, Matt's Matt's a whole whole load of red flags is kind of how I feel about about Matt. So, and I I, I feel bad for him. Like I think there are um, he has reasons he feels the way he does. Like we learned about his his history and his ex wife cheated on him, right, and got pregnant with a person that she cheated on him with, and that's like got to be shattering for anyone. But I don't think he has really dealt with it in a in a good way, and I think that really what the show is about, Joy, is toxic masculinity. You know, probably. Uh, Matt- okay, well, look, I'm the first to spot toxic masculinity everywhere. I think that he just, if I'm trying to be a little more neutral and a little easier on Matt, what I would say is he has trust issues. He yes. has even identified what those trust issues are. Yes. For him to learn to trust someone is a process that he needs to undergo in relationship with someone else. And I wonder if this show is maybe not the venue to work out <laughs> really? extremely fragile trust. You don't think this show is one of the most gentle, easing ways to get back out into the dating world ever? Yeah, you don't I think mean, with that, the forced you don't, you don't marriage think being, in the 40 days or whatever. You don't think being thrust into the international spotlight and having millions of people know the intimate details of your relationship is uh, the best way to kind of reestablish trust with the opposite gender uh, for a hetero person such as Matt? Um, I don't know, Joy. I don't feel like we are aligned on this. Um, do I think that maybe masculine modeling of not speaking about your feelings or identifying your feelings, so that's part of toxic masculinity, is feeding into the problem? Yes. But I also think in some ways it was brave for him to do this. I think to do the show, I, you know, I, I suspect they're not going to get married. Um, and I hope actually that they don't, but I hope that actually he can work from here to a better relationship with someone, a better mm-hmm. relationship with himself. He says he like runs after two dates max. So- you know, I hope he has a better, more verdant life ahead of him with someone else. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is the Matt and Colleen situation. I don't think they're going to make it. Um, I, I'm pretty sure at least one of them will not will decline to get married uh, when, at next episode. So yes. Now, before we completely move on from them, quick question: You asked me this. How do you feel about a quasi underwater date? 
I think it's pretty cool. You know, I think it's a cool thing. But Joy was like not really receptive to the idea. Um, Tell me more about what you like about it. I just like the novelty of it. I, I was asking Joy, hey, what do you think of this underwater date they're doing? And she's like, I don't think aquatic, <laughs> I don't think aquatic life should be made to, you know, swim around for our entertainment. And I was like, okay, well. Well, I'm and also give you I'm canceling our, our date at the Seattle Aquarium. You know, room then. service steak plate or whatever it was they had there. I mean, it's it, the whole thing is so surreal, and um, you know, like in Dubai, you can ski. It has that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Maybe you yes, shouldn't be it... able to eat a steak while pretending to be underwater. <laughs> Against God's will, you know, maybe you shouldn't be able to do that. Anyway, okay, all right. Let's move on to the next couple. Alexa let's and Brennan. Hope. Yes, Alexa and Brennan. Excellent. Alexa Brennan. Um, I'm going to say them real quick because if I say the first person's name too quickly, it'll trigger a lot of Amazon devices. So, mm. um, so Alexa Brennan. They, you know, Brennan meets some of her friends, and they are skeptical of Brennan's looks. And it's like, dude, Brennan is a really good looking dude, especially compared to her friends. Uh, I thought I that know. was shocking. I mean, I thought it was just a. I think there is something going on with her friend group and her family where they all look extremely similar to each other, dress extremely similar to each other, have a certain aesthetic, and he just doesn't fit that aesthetic. And it doesn't matter that he's naturally, actually, I think quite a good looking dude Um, to the point that when she says, hey, this is like him post makeover, her friend can barely keep it in, like laughing directly in his face. And I, Mm -hmm. I know she has described her family and friends as a lot, but they also seem kind of a little mean spirited, um, like, you know, borderline rude. So I um, hope because Brennan just seems like this puppy dog in love with Alexa. I just I hope he can get through this without being too bruised. And eventually, I think the only way to get along in this group is to just basically give back at them what they give to you. It's like a love mm-hmm. language. Criticism mm-hmm. is a love language. You probably know mm-hmm. that from our, our own families. Yes, our, our own marriage even. Um, but anyway, I think, uh, my feedback <laughs> is a precious gift. It means so I'm true. paying attention. It's so true. So there is a scene where, uh, Brennan is learning about Judaism and, uh, wants to kind of adhere to the customs for the wedding and stuff like that. And like learn about Jewish customs for the wedding. And it's nice, you know, I, there's like effort, um, yeah. being shown on, on behalf of a lot of the couples. So I hope they have a, a chuppah and, you know, the glass smashing and stuff. I, I don't know if if they're going to do all of that, but um, I did think it was sort of funny that Brennan maybe thinks that like he's he wants to learn a little bit or take a class, but I, I think the scale of what he has to learn is like a, a quite a lot. So um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it because it is not just a you know there's a religious component, but there's also it's an ethnicity and a culture. You know there's there's a lot there's a lot to get into mm-hmm. over time. Yeah, which hopefully he will at least respect. So that is Brennan and Alexa. Brennan and Alexa. I'm um, sorry to say it quickly so it doesn't trigger anything. Anything else you want to say about them? Well, they seem to be smooth sailing. And then the preview makes it look very dramatic. So what do you think of the odds that they're actually going to go through with this? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. It feels, it feels dicey. Like, so we should point out that this week they basically only showed one wedding decision and another all the remaining four wedding decisions are postponed till next batch of episodes um 
And it's possible we're only going to get, it's possible we might not get any marriages out of this. I doubt it. Um, but my guess is the majority of these couples will not get married. That's my guess. But we'll see. Well, we only got two marriages out of five last time. Yes. Two yes. marriages out of five engaged couples shown, and then there are two other engaged couples off screen that also broke up. So yeah, and that was a, that was seven. a much more highly functional group than this one, I would argue. So, uh, so I'm not really optimistic about anyone at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have the same question: was like anyone going to end up getting married? I think um, Alexa and Brennan. I I bet they will go through with it. I don't know if they'll stay married, but I have a feeling that they probably will. And you know. One of the reasons is that Alexa, she's mostly edited to be a little bit of a kind of mean girl who's a little spoiled, who likes to talk shit about other people. Um, but but at that bachelorette pre-party, you know, by the pool, she also drops a couple of great truth bombs. One is she says to Zenob, I'm not meaning to insult your fiance, but he is a little boy and you are better than him in every way like intellectually physically you're like not even at the same level you are dating way down um and i think that's true and um you know she also i think just has like some self-awareness uh about how you know about who she is and i think that is helpful i mean she may not be incredibly flexible which might be an issue down the road but I don't know. I think the fact that she could actually continue to be infatuated with him, I think like she does see beyond his sort of awkward exterior to whatever sort of quirky sense of humor he has. And I, I, I don't know. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for this one. All right. Well, that is Alexa Brennan. Uh, who else should we talk about? Well, I mean, I guess we could talk about they they all give me stomach aches in different ways. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about Zenob and Cole since I raised them. Uh, we got a text from one of our uh, listen, one of uh, the three listeners of this podcast um, today, and I'm not going to say who they are because I didn't ask permission to tell the world that this person watches uh, Love Is Blind, but they said Zenob and Cole. They have fundamental communications issues, though I do believe they're into each other. And you, Joy, said, strangely, I think Zenob and Cole could improve the most from basic couples counseling. But at the end of the day, he's still a man-child. This interaction over our text thread completely blew my mind because Zenob and Cole have not had a single substantive conversation about anything that is that is of any substance at all that is not the relationship. And of the conversations we see that are about the relationship, many of them go badly. So I have not seen them talk. Ser- well, there was a one conversation. Okay. They had that one conversation about like family, like when they're at his like terrible apartment and they're talking about like his family and like wanting family to, but that's arguably also about the relationship. Um, so I have not seen them talk about any topic other than the relationship. And most of the conversations about the relationship go badly. I just don't think these people have anything in common. And oh, I think they definitely don't have anything in common vibe-wise. But, I mean, you've only seen what the show has decided. I yes. mean, everybody's romances seem like when the engagements happen, you're like, every single one feels out of nowhere. 
Yes. You know, so it's just a very choppy edit. It's very abbreviated. So you don't know what they talked about, first of all. Secondly, it's really, it's really hilarious. Like this has been parodied on TikTok where like these people have three pod dates with each other. And they're like, you're my best friend. I love you. You know, and it's just like, okay, this this doesn't really this is not recognizable human behavior. You know, anyway, go ahead. Joy. Well, again, I think that is partly to some extent the edit to some extent. Yes, sure. But with Cole and Zeneb, I do feel like they have talked about faith. They have talked about the fact that she lost her parents, you know, like, I I don't think they've talked about absolutely nothing. I think the problem is that interpersonally, he is very annoying. I think he would annoy 95% of people and maybe 99% of women. And... She doesn't know how to express that in a way that isn't critical sounding because she's like, on some level, it breaks her brain that he, you know, behaves like a boy, you know, like a boy who has a mother pick up after him and she doesn't want to mother him, which is very fair. There's already like an age difference, right? So I think it comes across at one point he says to her, I love you. But I also a little bit hate you. And I think she feels the same way right back at him. And those things don't like even out to like a an eight. You know, it's like a 10 and a two part of the time. And both things are true. And I think it, it, it over time, I think the lack of respect she has for him would really become quite acidic. Yeah, uh, this I don't care if they get married or not. This thing is doomed. Like, there's I hope just they no don't. way. I hope they don't. Yeah, but do, do you know no what way. I'm saying? Like I about the couples counseling, if she could, if she could genuinely find the emotional energy, which is not a this is not a path I want for Zenib. Okay, to be clear, um, to say rather than saying so, we're putting the seasoning there. There's no no need to flip that chicken. You know, there's uh, I can't believe you're doing that. You know, like are we always going to leave the towel on the floor? Like in, in a way that sounds needling. He hears that and he he understands accurately, I think, that that is a little bit um, on the nagging side slash um, she's displeased with him um, slash it's not encouraging. That That's all true. That's all true. Is it her job to be encouraging all the time? You know, like he he's like, I just want someone pleasant. Um, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't feel like temperamentally exactly who she is, but she could maybe work on saying, thank you so much for cooking dinner. I really appreciate like really sitting there and praising him for a while and mm-hmm. then saying, you know, hey, I noticed like with the chicken, um, I have a couple tricks I could show you if that would help. I think it would make it taste better. That would be the encouraging version of the same thing. It's just you do enough of that as a percentage of your relationship and you are parenting the other person. And, you know, that's just not something that that will kill the romance between you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think many, it, it is possible to find yourself in, in more of a maternal relationship with your husband. And that's something, a, a, an amount of emotional and actual labor that many people do not want to sign up for. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to work. And I said at the first episode we recorded, this thing is painful to watch and it has continued to be painful to watch. And I feel really bad for both of them. You know, like, yes, there have been some highs in this interaction, but... Zeneb clearly needs something that this guy is not given and yeah, yeah, giving yeah. and like he himself is in a in a bad situation because you know he's 
it's just it's just really profoundly sad for both of them. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. We who we should feel bad for is mental health professionals who are going to have to deal with this definition of bipolar that apparently Cole just made up and spewed out into the world. That was very upsetting. That um, was very shitty. Yeah, for him to say like, "Are you bipolar?" and then she's you know she i don't remember she like i think she kind of like ignores the question and he's like yeah i asked you a question and it's like oh you were serious you weren't just you weren't just saying that as a as a dig in a moment of heat like in a heated moment you were actually asking legitimately um that's a huge red flag if someone's saying that look with that kind of contempt and and hatred you know yeah no like, it wasn't like a loving like hey i suspect hey, you, that yeah. you might need to look into this and with maybe let's go see support. some uh, let's go see this doctor i know you know it's just like it, it's yeah it's also i but, think what he is interpreting as bipolar is like the fact that sometimes she's very warm to him and sometimes she's really irritated by him and that is not bipolar that is not necessarily even a mood swing um but bipolar is you know when you have these manic episodes where you like give away all your money or you like start taking street drugs you know and no one can find you for 10 days and um it's incredibly harrowing and then you have a very down depressive crash from that for a long period of time um you know i just um someone we i mean we should point we should Clarify that's not what how it presents for everyone, okay? So like that, but right, that can but be yes. Bipolar one and two both have these manic and depressive, yes. you know, phases typically. And I um I you know, have a very, very light amount of experience with it, but it is a really, really upsetting uh thing, you know, for people to try to cope with. And so I think the fact that he misunderstood it so badly is like alarming to me. And then they just like left it in the edit. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it just brutal. felt like a really lazy, lazy thing to be like, I'm just going to pathologize anything that I don't like about your behavior. Yeah. I mean, I understand, again, I understand like in a moment of like intensity saying something like that and feeling bad about it, but then like to double down on it in the way that he did is just pretty unforgivable in my opinion. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That was, I think the worst thing that Cole has done. Yeah. Okay, uh, Bartice and Nancy, Oof. we see the first half of their wedding on this uh, in this episode, right? Um, All the way up to the, like, will they or won't they? Yeah, well, we, I think we see Nancy say yes, and then we don't know what Bartice is going to say. So, yeah. uh, well, Bartice has apparently had a complete, done a complete 180 since the last time we saw him, and uh, now he's really into Nancy, and she's things are going great. So well, you know who else has done a 180 is moi because Nancy went from the bottom of the bottom to the top for me and now she's right back in the mix at the bottom because what does she see in Bartice? What could she possibly see in Bartice, especially after what they've gone through? Other than the biceps. I I do think that like his being into her seems to be genuine, like and he's like crying, like it doesn't seem like you can fake that, you know, like I had, I had speculated, maybe he's like, uh, the conspiracy theorist to me was like, maybe he's like making his family be mean to her so that yeah. he has an out with the wedding, but he seems legitimately into her. So. And uh, his sister actually seems quite supportive despite crying yeah, despite at the their, possible abortion yeah. of a theoretical baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I 
I think, I mean, I said this to you yesterday. It's been a long week. You know, maybe I was worn down. But when I listen to Bartise try to break something down and give his explanation or framing, I feel myself getting dumber every second. Like, the thing I said to you is, I would rather hang out with Cole and hang out with Bartise. I think Cole is less annoying. And That's it's because. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> Bartise has this way of like talking incredibly fast when he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's almost like he's trying to outrun his lack of knowledge of the thing. Mm. And mm-hmm. so it looks something like this where you like, see, the thing about da 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 is da da da. And then no, good, bam. You know, so yeah, 100%, t- totally done. You know, great, easy. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, um, there was no room for anyone else to get a word in there because it would mm-hmm. have interrupted the flow of this logic train, you know? And mm-hmm. I can feel my soul sort of shriveling. And now I've been exposed to the Bartise breakdown so many times. I don't um, I don't see how Nancy can be more into him the more of these she hears. And so that is making me question Nancy's judgment. All right. Uh, do you think Bartise is going to say yes? I think there's... I was thinking definitely no at the end of the last batch of episodes, but like it seems distinctly possible he's going to say yes based on how he's reacting this episode. I mean, he said, let's do this thing when he sent her like the little card. It really feels like it's trending in that direction. I do think the emotion he had was real. Um, I think that, you know, everything I just said about how fat, how he breaks things down was pretty harsh of me but he is a young guy who has to like project a lot of confidence and i think that's where that comes from Mm -hmm. but i think maybe what felt like a real um and and possibly really meaningful realization he had is you know it's when you're brushing your teeth together it's when you're doing the dishes it's all of those little things that really make up most of the moments in life not your trips to malibu or Mm -hmm. um kind of these big emotional highlights so like you know i think the gift really resonated with him on that level and i I think that is a a good maturing moment for bartice i don't know i i don't know if he's gonna say yes just because i don't i don't feel it for them like that it's the right choice but i it feels like this moment this day is shaping up to trend in that direction so um yeah i don't know 50 50 for me all right final pairing raven and sk boy what an emotional roller coaster this one's been you know i i went from in our first episode saying there's no way this is going to happen to being like i'm actually rooting for these people they're actually probably the best suited for each other in some ways um if to thinking, hey, there's a pretty strong chance it's going to happen, to then SK saying no. You thought Raven was going to say no. Because because the edit made it seem like, oh, Raven needs to kind of be to serve a specific role in the family in this marriage. And like, she's a very independent woman and she's going to chafe against the constraints of like what that expectation is. And, and so her I was friends said was... they thought she would pull out of it, right? Right, right, right. Um, but she doesn't even really get the chance to answer because he says no beforehand. Now, I have a few thoughts on this. Number one, this is when the violence inherent to the system really um, comes to light in the sense that, like, obviously these are people that actually seem like they legitimately care about each other. And 
if you do care about them, you don't let them, you know, you don't get everyone there on the day and then say no in front of everyone, like right there. Right. But this is the agreement that they've signed up for to be on love is blind. They have the officiant. That's like, it's time to find out whether love is really blind. And then SK is like, no, I cannot do this. And I do feel like SK probably told Raven this in advance. Like, I think he cared about her. And like, that's, that's the feeling I got is not like she was like stunned. Like, you know, I didn't get the feeling she's like, you know, in previous seasons, people have like literally stormed out in anger, right? And I, I just have the feeling that like SK kind of like let Raven know where he was trending before this all went down is kind of my guess. She um, has given an interview where she said she was stunned. Mm, well. I mean, she is a very composed person. Like yeah, I think in enough. some ways she kind of um, like conceals her emotions really well. Um, and but she I does say on she... camera that she would have said yes, you know, so. Yeah. But I think SK's concerns are, it's just, it's just weird because you, like, you're seeing Raven do most of the adapting. Like, she's the one that needs to wear, like, the different uh, headdress that's, like, what then different than what she would have otherwise. She's the one that needs to kind of learn about um, his family and their customs. And it actually becomes a point of tension between the two of them. And so it feels like she's putting in, quote unquote, more work than he is to kind of adapt to uh, the wedding, at least. And so it is shocking when SK is the one that says no. Uh, you and I both gasped. I mean, what was your reaction? I, well, first of all, he says no. And I think they hug and she says, I'm sorry. Do you know what I mean? There is mm-hmm. like such yeah. compassion yes. and respect between them. Like I'm like slightly emotional just yeah. remembering it. You know that. Um, like maybe they didn't get married, which who cares? Like they found, I, I said to you earlier, I don't know if they're going to get married, but this feels like a very healthy and helpful relationship for each of yes. them at this moment yes. in their life. And then maybe they date for a year or maybe they date for two years, but they could have a, a relationship in which they grow. I think of a relationship as a process, not as like a destination and, and that they would if they parted, be better off for it. And so maybe it was even less time than expected, but I think they did leave both better for it, both having a lot of genuine respect for each other. Um, So the way they parted, I agree with you that she took it so well that you almost have to believe she knew, but I think it has since come out that she didn't. And I think that speaks so highly of Raven um, that she was able to have compassion for the person that was rejecting her in that moment yeah. in front of all of these people um, after she had gone to so much trouble. I I think the thing is they are two really independent people with different dreams. And I think they maybe both perceive that the other was not as flexible or giving as they yeah. could be. And that happens when you have two big personalities um, that are, you know, neither one is going to be the sort of water that just kind of settles into the lowest point. Um, and, but the underlying respect, like when her, when, when his mom goes to comfort her, I thought yeah. was like a genuinely moving show of just grace and compassion and you know she the mom said i didn't expect that and that's not the way that i wanted it to go and you know you you sort of feel like the show is less sort of transactional and just exploitative in those moments because you're seeing actual connections between actual humans like occur um and leading up to this 
Raven was just climbing my scorecard of people. I mean, truly, probably the only person I've ever seen on the show I would genuinely want to hang out with. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I like SK too, um, but I particularly like Raven. I really like how she just has her own opinion about things like at the bachelorette party. All the women are like shrieking because the strippers are in their faces. And Raven's like, I am grown and I do not want to be here at all. Like, I have no interest in this. Or when she said, Bartise, you know, had so many great words for me now that he's seen me, but he didn't have any praise for Pod Raven. So it's a definite no from me. Like, I just, she's so matter of fact about what she needs and what her boundaries and preferences are. And, um, I said this to you. I I actually went to business school as well. I think Raven should go to business school. I think she could be like actually a really great leader just due to her own sort of self-awareness and firmness. And so I just um, maybe she could start a Bilates empire. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I almost wish she was the one going to Berkeley. But yeah. The season has been pretty rough, but I do think seeing the SK and Raven relationship and her relationship with his parent, his mom and like. And, and their respect for each other and SK just kind of handling things very maturely and being like, Hey, like there's still a lot of open questions. And if we weren't in this ridiculous artificial construct of we need to decide within three weeks, maybe we will be able to make it work. And maybe they in fact will, because it's been a lot of time since this was filmed. So uh, when there's a reunion or whatever, we'll find out like what the state of that relationship is. Um, I do think it was nice to see, you know, it's, it's nice to see like a relationship develop and like this mutual respect. It's like modeling, like healthy relationships. And, and I do think this kind of gives us a really nice spectrum of like, here's a toxic relationship. Here's like three to four toxic relationships. And here's like one really good one. And ironically, the really good one is the one that's probably, that's not getting married at this point. Well, because getting married under these circumstances is largely a bad decision. Yeah. Yep. You know, because it's not about finding the one. It's about the process you have with the one. Like, you have to have both things. Yeah. And um, it's like, hey, let's date for a little bit. Let's see if the long distance can work. Let's see if we're still into each other. You know, it's a very mature decision. So. Yeah. I think, you know, let's see what happens on the reunion um, after because it's been a year. He has already – he's now, like, well into his second year at Berkeley in real life. So – um she gave an interview in which it was implied that they're not together, but I'm not sure that that, I don't know. I don't know where they are. I I am actually impressed by how well the show is able to keep these details under wraps. Like you would think that like photo, like photos would slip out of the two people, but like they must say like, after the wedding is over, you go on social media, like lockdown, like we review every social post. Like you're not seen with, the other person you're not seeing with any other people that aren't the other person. Like, you know what I mean? Like they must have like the strictest rules because in general, the show does a really good job of not leaking out any details about these people's lives. Um, I just admire it as a marketing exercise. I'm just like in awe of how they're able to keep all that stuff secret. So next week, I assume all will be revealed. Um, so yeah. Any other thoughts on this batch of episodes? Well, I just want to say about SK and Raven, since this is us bidding farewell to them for now until the reunion, I I really liked Jared and Nayana as a couple, um, and I found them very charming in some yes. ways, but the outcome there was really painful, as you've discussed before. And for me, I fear that it plays into like bad stereotypes that are really um, lazy about black men. And I think that, you know, 
to the extent that the show has representation, it's a little bit outside of the producer's control because they kind of put people together and they see who ends up together. But I thought it was really nice to have, and particularly in reality television, there are a lot of, there's a lot of racial casting in which people feel that tropes are just being recreated. And with Jarrett leaving Ayana effectively for the club, like that, that is a horrible kind of, um, I mean, it's it's his real life actions and he is genuinely responsible for it, but it made me very sad um, that this was like the example of black love that we had. Um, I know there have been other black um, participants on the show, um, but so this was just really nice that, you know, we can meet these two people as individuals and yes, they don't like quote unquote win in that they don't get married, yeah. but they win in that they're the most dignified people ever to be on this show and they have so much like self-respect and we're so interested in them as individual people. And it was, it's just really nice because reality TV casting can be so lazy. Yeah, and um, I, I felt like they did a good job finding these folks. It's a good time to announce our "Love Is Blind." Please cast a, an Asian man who's not reprehensible. Challenge. Um, that would be great. Between last David season Chen, and this sadly, season, sadly is not available. <laughs> between last season and this season, it's been pretty, pretty rough. So, would love to get an Asian guy on the show that is not a complete douche. Anyway. That's going to do it for us here today on Decoding Reality. Find more episodes at decodingreality.tv. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. And find Decoding TV at t- uh, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Decoding TV. Joy, thanks for chatting today. Great to be here. Next week, finale talk. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.